0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Building Efficiency Podcast presented by Nenny & Associates. I'm your host, Jim Schaefer. Now, if this is your first time tuning in, Nenny & Associates is an executive search firm focused on the building efficiency industry, hence why we named the podcast the way that we did. And simply put, we help our clients find the right talent. And each week, we sit down with leaders from the industry to discuss their backgrounds, how they got started, and where they see the industry heading. We also get to know our guests and find out what drives them to be successful. And on today's episode, episode 62, we sit down with Lynn Mueller, who is the president and CEO of Shark Energy Systems. Really interesting conversation here with Lynn, hearing about how he got started in his career and some of the important lessons he learned growing up on a farm in Canada. Uh, Really interesting technology that they have and something that we certainly haven't discussed yet on the podcast, so I really enjoyed hearing about some of their applications for their product lines, and of course, where Lynn sees the industry going in the future. As usual, be sure to stick around until the end to hear about what Lynn wants his lasting legacy to be. Great stuff there. Now, if you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe to our channel and consider downloading this episode and future episodes. This is really the only way that we can track how many people are listening. So if you're one of the folks out there who are streaming the episodes, I urge you to consider hitting that download button instead. And if you enjoy this episode, please share it and leave a five star review on our page. Now, we think you're going to enjoy this conversation between Lynn and I. So let's drop in. Hey, everyone, welcome back to the Building Efficiency Podcast. Today, we're sitting down with Lynn Mueller, who is the president and CEO of Shark Energy Systems. Lynn, welcome to the show.
1: Good morning, Jim. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, yeah. I got to say, you're our first Canadian guest, so that's a big that's a big deal on the podcast here. So I'm glad
1: we're able to make this one happen. Great. You know what they say, Jim. Uh, once you've had Canadian, you never go back. So. <laughs> Is that a say? Okay. All right. I, I didn't know that. So uh, in British Columbia, right? Yep, we're here in uh, beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia. Living the, uh, living the climate change nightmare this year. We've had uh, atmospheric river rainstorms that flooded out all the roads into Vancouver. We've had crazy yes. cold weather and uh, we've had snow like we've never seen in 20 years.
0: Well, you're on the right podcast and we're, we're talking to the right audience when it comes to the climate change topic. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to get into this with you. So before we get into to Shark Energy, tell us a little bit about your background and then kind of how you got started in the industry and, and maybe how you founded Shark Energy.
1: Yeah, great. And um, I grew up on a, on a family farm in a, in a rural section of Alberta, Canada. And, uh, you know, did the normal milk the cows, feed the pigs kind of thing till I was uh, old enough to go to, to school. And uh, my father's contribution to my education was he lent me a chainsaw and a can of gas to go cut fence posts and sell them for to pay for my schooling. So uh, I've always been super thankful that I had parents that educated me in uh, and encouraged me to work for it. And so uh, then I went on uh, in high school and uh, in post-secondary in chemistry first. And then I found maybe working in a lab situation uh, <clears throat> wasn't the best situation for me. So I then uh, took, took refrigeration and that led me a few years later, probably 15 years later into the heat pump market. And I just fell in love with the idea of not creating heat, but merely moving and recycling heat. And, and then, that, um, you know, 35 years in the geothermal heat pump industry, I then uh, retired for a couple of days, found out that wasn't for me as well, and then uh, decided that I knew during those few days I'd been bothering my wife to get the operational bills from the house and stuff. And I knew that every year in my home, I spent $1,200 a year to heat my hot water and I heat my house with a heat pump. So I thought, where, where is that money going and why can't I get that back? And that really led to uh, sewage heat recovery as, uh, as a bit of a passion to pursue. So
0: the retirement thing wasn't for you. Those those two days were just restless and you were like, oh, I need, to, I need to do something.
1: Yeah, it took my wife three days to tell me that I had to find something to do or a new place to live because I'd ripped out <laughs> her kitchen and I'm not a carpenter or anything, but I thought I could do it. But uh, she said, you go find something to do and I'll get our carpenter over and put the house back together. So that was it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I uh, I heard the saying, you got to
1: retire to something, not just from something, right? Yeah. 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 That ex- uh, you know, the best thing I ever did because uh, every day since then, I've loved coming in uh, to do the work at Shark. Yeah. So you alluded to it there. So
0: kind of a personal passion, personal, you know, at home project was really like the genesis for founding Shark Energy Systems. So let's pick up there and maybe let's let's keep following that that track. I mean, how did you actually found the business, start it and, you know, maybe bring us up to speed, what you guys are really up to today?
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, 12 years ago, Jim, I had the idea that um, that I could recover heat from wastewater. But I had I knew absolutely nothing about sewage flow. Like I, I didn't know it was in it. I, you know, I think everybody thinks of sewage flow as a turd on a beach blanket, kind of with a bytie tie floating down to the sewage treatment plant. And uh, you know that. And once they've done their bodily function, they just can't wait to get rid of it. they as far and as fast as they can. But but the truth is, about half of the energy in the world that's used ends up in that sewage flow. And the uh, the actual product is we you, you, we've never seen one. We we deal with millions and millions of gallons of sewage, and we've never actually seen a turd come into the system. It's all washed away. But lots of paper and stuff. So. With that, uh, with that flow of energy, which in the world is approximately $1 trillion worth a year of energy that you can recover from sewage. So once I looked at it, you know, I looked at my house and I thought, yeah, there's, there's 100 houses in my neighborhood, you know, that's $120,000 a year. You know, there's got to be a business there somewhere. And then, uh, and then the Olympics in 2010 came along, and Vancouver wanted to be the greenest Olympics ever, and they did. Uh, the Olympic Village was heated with sewage heat recovery, and uh, then we just kind of uh, we just kind of grew from there. And I I invented all the stuff, so. It was a real learning process i mean we didn't know anything about it and all the paper and you know whatever comes down the sewer line needles and uh, blankets and coats and you wouldn't believe you know pipe wrenches and stuff that float down there and um, and so we just uh, we just quietly developed the very best sewage filtration system in the world and um, and now it's just become uh, we went from a crazy idea jim 10 years ago or 12 years ago to now, every city in the world has us on things they want to investigate doing.
0: Hmm. So. All right, so let's make this super like visual for for the audience, and even you know I spent a little bit of time on your website. so is this like a this is sounds like a patented product, or is this a design engineered solution yeah let's let's hmm. maybe double click on that.
1: Yeah, well, it's kind of both. The the shark, you know, we have two product lines. We have a shark, which is more of a large industrial scale system. Okay. And we have a piranha, which is designed for a single building. But they are just products. We're manufacturers of equipment. We don't go out and install it or anything. We sell all over the world to, you know, guys that are going, putting it in. But uh, but it is patented. But if you can imagine, uh, you know, just to give you the, the high level, how it works kind of thing is the shark is like a tea filter. So dirty sewage comes in one end. It all catches in our patented shark screening device. The solids exit the bottom of the tea. The clean water goes through the other side of the uh, tea and through a heat exchanger and exchanges with your building. So, uh, you know, in Vancouver right now, we have a system that will heat 22 million square feet of apartments in Vancouver. And that's from the wastewater just leaving the downtown core. And after taking that heat out, you still can't measure any difference in the temperature of the sewage flow. Like there is so much heat in there, you can't imagine. New York City has 1.3 billion gallons of sewage a day it's all been heated about 30 degrees from the hot water people have thrown away from showers and laundry. And Jim, if you were to recover just one degree out of that flow, the value is $3 million an hour. So when you think, uh, you know, the energy reserves in oil and stuff, you have to drill 10 miles down into the earth or something. Well, we've got a trillion dollars worth of energy six feet below the surface that is there every day, and it's free. People use it and almost instantly throw it away. Yeah, this
0: is is interesting. So you're, you're hinting at it there. So the customers that you could probably get, you got the end user facilities, you mentioned like multifamily facilities, but then you also, I would imagine like the customers that you guys are selling to, are they going to be like MEP consulting engineering firms? Are they going to be like contractors? Like who would be the primary customer base that you guys are getting in front of?
1: Yeah, usually, usually, big mechanical contractors. Uh, some cities like to put the packages together and buy the equipment, and then they hire their own contractor. But it's it's usually the mechanicals, and uh, and so if we uh, if we come in, you know, to an apartment complex, let's say, um, it used to be that the hot water system and the heating system were were intertwined. There was no separation between heating and hot water. But now it's really become a, a different ballgame because the hot water load can be handled completely independent of the building heating load. So it's really just sort of separated those two loads. So we will, uh, on a single building, for instance, a 100 unit building, we can decarbonize the hot water supply, which is really the largest continuous load every day on the building. But what we do is we recover the heat needed to make the next batch of hot water from the sewage that's leaving. So we have a tank where we catch about a day's worth of sewer flow from the building, and then we we recover it at whatever rate we need to meet the load. So it's it's really slick. Once this, once the cycle starts, the energy never leaves the building. You just continually recycle it. And and you know, the really amazing thing about shark is it's founded on the two principles of thermodynamics that energy can't be created or destroyed and heat moves from warmer to colder. Those are the only two things we need to stay in effect and our system works. Oh, that's really good stuff. So you mentioned mechanical contractors. I would imagine like, um,
0: you know, we, this industry here, the, the audience is going to be, you know, a lot of folks focused on the uh, the ESCO or the energy performance contracting space. So I'd imagine like the energy services companies, that would be a potential Market for you guys as well, especially if you look at some big, you know, municipalities, K to 12, you know, higher education type environments, right?
1: Or no? Kind of, Jim, but okay. we, need, we need buildings where we can access even. Or they have a large water use in their building, like residential schools probably wouldn't be our, our wheelhouse. Although, having said that, we're doing a system in Denver where we're providing heating and cooling for 250 acres of new development. In that development, there's a hospital and a university and stuff. So um, it really allows you to, to, to share energy amongst all the buildings. So it's, it's you know, I, I, I like to think that we've really changed the landscape of how energy is used because we, we use, you know, we share all the energy within the buildings on an ambient loop, and then the loop needs to be uh, tempered either hotter or colder, we use a sewer to do that. So um, I'm really, really proud of the fact that we've started this sort of movement where we only require the net energy, the difference between the heating and cooling, not both of them.
0: Got it. Okay, Well, that, that makes sense. No, I appreciate you walking us through that, and hopefully that was that was helpful for our, it was helpful for me, and hopeful for our audience as well here. So let's um let's transition to to the next part of the show here, Linus. I guess as you hover out and look at the future of the call it the energy sustainability industry, um, where do you see the industry heading, and where do you see Shark Energy kind of fitting into that uh, that future? <laughs> well, I wish I knew, Jim, but, um, well, but come on. I, give, a, give us a shot.
1: Yeah, I, give do, us a projection. Uh, I do see. And, you know, I, I'm all over the world and I, I hear lots of ideas. And, but every one of them now is aimed at decarbonization. And, uh, you know, the Amorescos and the big escos of the world uh, used to make a very, very good living, uh, making gas more efficient or, you know, making things more efficient and, uh, and sort of splitting the savings. Well, I think you'll see the transition now where that won't happen as much anymore, and they'll be they'll they will be providing green energy solutions. So I think they'll be our biggest customers in the future, and and we provide really uh, you know when you don't have to pay for the source of the heat, it it becomes a pretty good proposition. And some cities like Seattle and Denver and New York, Philadelphia have agreements where you can tap into their sewer line and you pay a very, very low fee, like half a cent a kilowatt hour to access the sewer line. So it becomes a revenue source for the cities that they love, but it's just the cheapest energy in the world and most abundant and most predictable. So we used to kind of bill ourselves as an alternate energy source Well, there's nothing alternate about sewage. It's the same every minute of every day. Like it's frightening, you know how our habits go. Yeah, yeah,
0: okay. No, that uh, that certainly makes sense. So, Lynn, uh, last uh, last part of the show here, I wanted to ask you the same four questions to ask every guest who comes on the Building Efficiency Podcast. They wanted to lead off here with, "What are your daily non-negotiables?"
1: Well, mine is that we we don't do anything that creates carbon. Like um, one of the things, when you know, I started Shark a little bit older in life, and uh, and I wanted to have a sustainable company inside and out. So we have some principles in Shark that just aren't negotiable. We're inclusive, we empower, and we're very accepting of everybody. And we we go out of our way to do the right thing. Right? We we're doing a project, for instance, on a First Nations community and we want to be part of that community we'll be there for 20 years uh operating so we're teaching entrepreneurship we're including the people so we're we're very much a social company like we want to make money don't get me wrong but more than anything uh, you know i made a commitment to my granddaughter that i would do everything i could to to fight climate change because they're they're 6 years old and they're scared about where the world is going i, I can't have that so I will, you know, my my retirement plan is to die in my car on the way to work one day. So I'm going to I'm going to continue to work as hard as I can to make this world just a little bit better. And we also, you know, we we lose very few people. But my mantra too is that if somebody gets one of our employees, I want that employee to be a good person and a and a very good employee. So we try to educate all of our people So even if they leave, nobody can say, you know, how dumb, you know, how dumb is that guy from Shark? We want we want really good people, good citizens, and we want them to retire with dignity and work every day fulfilled. So. What advice would you give to your 22 year old self? Get a different job, you dumbass. But uh, <laughs> um, no, you know I, I don't think there's much I'd change. Uh, you know, I maybe would enjoy more time with my family, but my family's been so supportive, and I'm an absolutely obsessive person with what I'm doing. So um, there isn't much, you know. Life is a life is a series of mistakes, and I just hope I don't make the last one that kills me. So I'm pretty pleased with how it's gone. And you may have hit to the, uh, this already, but what motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm excited every day, Jim. So it's it's the fact that I can go and talk to my little granddaughter, Logan, and she knows about green and she knows what shark does. And I can tell her that, you know, grandpa is doing everything he can and encouraging others to do everything they can. So I love it. And it's just uh, I love the challenge as well. I, Twelve years ago, people said I was absolutely insane. To, you know, I put millions of dollars into the company and they said you're you idiot, you're never gonna see that come through. And that only motivated me more to make it's successful. But now I go, hmm, how do you like me now? And we were we were just at the AHR show in Vegas, and and we were just inundated. It used to be people coming by with stupid questions, you know, trying to make a joke about sewage. But this trip, we were just inundated with engineers with application questions. So um, you know, I'm, I'm really proud and happy of what we've done, but I'm also motivated by people telling me I can't do things. So I've, I've never been really followed the rules. So it's perfect.
0: That's excellent. And, uh, to wrap it all up here, what do you want your lasting legacy to be?
1: Well, I think, um, you know, we built that in shark. I, I, I was, you know, the president of water furnace and a few great little companies along the way. But we started an industry, Jim, and uh, there was no sewage heat recovery industry, and now there is, and and we still own it. We we have virtually no competition, and you know I, that my legacy is just being a crazy guy that didn't know enough to quit, and uh, never never crossed my mind to tell you the truth, but. You know, anybody that knows me knows I'm super aggressive and super persistent and never quit. Love that. I
0: think that's a perfect way to, uh, to close out the show here. So, Lynn, thanks for your time. Thanks for being a guest on the Building Efficiency Podcast.
1: It was my pleasure, Jim. You take care of your family and all the best.
0: All right. Thanks.
1: Take care. All right.
0: There you have it. Episode 62 with Lynn Mueller. I hope everyone enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And if you did enjoy it, please be sure to subscribe to our channel wherever you enjoy listening to your favorite podcast. We hope you're sharing this with your colleagues and friends. And one last thing, if you have any future guests in mind from the industry, please reach out to me. We'd love to hear from you loyal listeners. So until next time, I'm Jim Schaefer, and we'll catch you on the next episode.